DiscerningHearts.com now presents a special audio version of a Skype conversation I, Chris McGregor, had with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez is the president and co-founder of the Evangelium Institute, as well as the director of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith in the Archdiocese of Omaha. He has published in a number of print and online magazines and newspapers, including the National Catholic Register and the Catholic Voice. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints, and the Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. He is featured on numerous podcasts available on discerninghearts.com and is heard on Catholic radio networks around the country. We now begin this special conversation with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Omar Gutierrez, it's so very good to see you. How are you, my friend? It's good to see you too, Chris. Uh, I am well. I'm very well. I, w- I would say you're well. You're uh, a proud papa of yeah. yet another beautiful child that you and Miriam have brought into the world. Thank you um, for announcing her birth so beautifully on different social media platforms. It's been a joy when you can't touch people and you can't go grab <laughs> that baby. At least we get to see your face. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's been our pleasure to spread a little joy in this difficult time. Uh, it's been a, a welcome distraction, obviously, for us and our family. And little little baby Zita, she's been just just a wonderful. We're very blessed that she's very healthy, and so is Miriam. And everybody's home now. And uh, yeah, just a, a great blessing, a great joy in this time. A scary time uh, mm-hmm. to be pregnant, Miriam. God bless her. Many many people who visit discerning hearts one of the things they love the most is the series on uh, saint elizabeth of the trinity and for gosh it's almost almost been a decade miriam yeah miriam has given voice to elizabeth and she's touched so many souls and again it it reminds me of uh her sister marguerite uh Mm -hmm. elizabeth's sister Mm -hmm. who herself was a mother and was pregnant during tumultuous times, mm. you know, and so much, so much was happening in her life. And so Miriam kind of reminds me a little bit of Marguerite and her, her following Elizabeth's counsel and, and bringing forth this child. Now, how has that been for you? Yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, a, a good distraction. It's also been a reminder of, um, uh, the, the value of, of, of life and, um, the lessons it brings. So I was a rocking baby about, uh, I think two in the morning the other night. And, um, uh, I was thinking about our conversation to come and I had watched your conversation with Dr. Lillis, which was a wonderful conversation. And, um, you know, it, it struck me, uh, what, what a baby does as a lot of listeners and viewers know what Mm -hmm. a baby does in a household is it makes, it forces you to sort of sit down and and slow down and be quiet mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just receive the love of the baby and to love on the baby and, and all that. Um, in this difficult time with the COVID and and wherever you are with the, you know if you're in, in lockdown or or uh, social distancing or whatever whatever you're you're going through, um, it's it's remarkably difficult uh, and and uh, there's a great tragedy with it. But if I can borrow a phrase from Father Gallagher, um, I want to say with, with total reverence that we we also want to recognize that this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So many people, uh, myself included, in certain cases, um, 
especially, you know, when a baby's about to come, there's that nesting period for mom and dad where you're trying to get a lot of things done in preparation for baby. Sometimes we, we look at these times uh, as something for us to do something, to accomplish, to try to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's okay to a degree. And I applaud all those pastors who are doing amazing things to try to, to serve their people in creative ways. But I don't want us to overlook the fact that this is also opportunity to receive um, this child in our life. And this child is this opportunity to be quiet, uh, to be still, to receive the love of the Lord and to love him back. Um, I think that's a piece that I don't, I, I, I certainly don't want to overlook. And, and when I talk to my friends here in Omaha, where we are, it's something I want to encourage them to do as well. Uh, is instead of focusing so much on how to fix the problem, um, uh, just to receive and uh, to receive the gift of the current period which the Father has allowed. Yeah, that's a that's a hard one for everyone. I think, you know, there was such a mad rush to shift our paradigm. Mm. I mean, from the last week in February, and the the well, I could even say Ash Wednesday. I don't think anybody expected what would happen during the month of March and that, that quickness in trying to uh, take care of your family, what's happening with my job. Uh, what about my parents? Am I, I really can't see my, well, I can't go here. I can't go there. Wait a minute. It, it's been almost a month now, a good three or four weeks now. And I think it's starting to sink in for a lot of people. And I think we can either go one way or another in our response. You can, it's, it's so hard, isn't it, Omar, with the 24-7 news cycle and you click in and it is just, it's like something out of a, out of a movie. I mean, a frightening, frightening movie. Yeah. Or you could go down the other path, can't you, where it's, well, talk to us about that. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I mean, the so you know, when, when as I'm sitting down and we announced, as you said, the the birth of our child through social media, mm-hmm. and and um, and so I've been on social media more than I, I normally am, and I see the the great anxiety and the fear. People are handling it in different ways, uh, as you said. Some who are expressing a great deal of anxiety, anger, um, frustration, um. But then others who are using this time uh, as this opportunity to go deeper and to to pray more uh, and to take a, a, an assessment in their lives of what is crucial and what's not. I don't want to overlook the fact that this is a difficult economic time for a lot of people. Uh, when when you work for the churches, I have for almost 20 years now, yeah. you know, there's no such thing as job security. So mm-hmm. this is kind of life. But um, th- there there are real anxieties. There are real tragedies, the real difficulties. I want to overlook that, overlook that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's in the, exactly in the midst of these trials. That's where the Lord wants to meet us. And we're so blessed in a sense to be entering into Holy Week um, and uh, or being in Holy Week and, and being invited into a period of time where we can be with Christ. Um, Miriam, uh, one of the things she does when she gives labor, she's done this with the last several children we've had, is to invite intentions from friends and family, uh, that she will take into labor. And, uh, she was sharing with me yesterday how she, you know, there's a, a point in the labor where she just realized that she can't do this. This has to be Jesus. Um, and, 
adopting that suffering and that pain and the realization that I can't do this now, this has to be Jesus, that's the opportunity we have right now to embrace wow. so that we can we can go into this this time, this holy time of triduum um, and and give it all to Christ. Yeah, it, it's such a, it, it's so extraordinary. I know for our brothers and sisters in our beloved Italy, for example. Yeah, I, yeah it's so hard. I mean, this, this I, I think we rightly can call it a nightmare, this oh, unbelievable nightmare where you can't wake up. Um, it started occurring at the beginning of the year. It gradually started unfolding through earlier. And, of course, our other brothers and sisters in, in other parts of Europe, and now it's disseminating everywhere. Mm-hmm. But for us in America, I find it so uh, incredible, God's timing on this, that it would happen during Lent, yes. that it would hit us, that the last yes. time that we would be at Mass with um, our, our, brother, our fellow parishioners, for example, our, our parish family, would be, for us anyway, for the McGregors, it was the, uh, the reading, I think it was the third Sunday of Lent. And, yeah, the Samaritan woman. Yeah, yeah the Samaritan woman. And nobody, uh, Anthony Lillis said it best, I think. He said, this is, we've entered, we entered into the tritium at that moment. Yes, our last, yeah. our last gathering at mass. And it's one big, long, you know, a good Friday going mm-hmm. into a holy Saturday yeah. where you just wait. Yes, exactly. That's the opportunity we have. Um, and you know, um, I'm I'm a ritual guy. I love the rites of the church. Uh, in my parish, as you know, Chris, we we have a more traditional uh, way of of celebrating the Novus Ordo Mass with, with lots of Latin and and the altar rail and all the rest of it. So I love the rites. I love liturgy. I love the ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes we can uh, mistake the ritual for the grace, right? And in other words, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody knows this, especially as Catholics, you can kind of just go through the, the motions and 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 not really sort of enter into the depth of the mystery. That's a that's a temptation for everybody, uh, which is why right now is so um, it's so welcome uh, to be able to try to enter into the mystery in this new way, apart from the ritual, to strip our souls down to the point where, where we're really just focusing in on the mystery of Christ's suffering and death and his distance from us. In a certain way, you could say all of us are going through this unified dark night. Um, we are all being invited to do this together in community, uh, just as we do every Holy Saturday when we walk into the Catholic Church and that tabernacle is empty and he's not there. That's a pain that we're all sort of living through together right now, mm-hmm. separately but together. Um, and that's what we want to be able to pray into. And I, I also want to make a point, too, just theologically about grace and the sacraments. I, I see online and social media and lots of people f- frustrated and worried and concerned about the lack of access to the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I totally understand that. But What's the definition of a sacrament? A sacrament is a sign instituted by Christ to communicate grace. So what we're seeking is the grace, right? The grace is what we desire from God. And and the grace is free. It's freely given. I don't believe we have a God who will who will deny us grace because because we can't get come together. Um, uh, I believe our God wants to give us that grace and will give us that grace. Um, because of the desire, the deep desire that we have 
Um, and I think that's part of the lesson of, of Good Friday and Holy Saturday as well is, is as we are, as we're waiting to be able to come closer to the resurrection, then, then as we wait, uh, we're able to maybe lean on the Lord more and receive different graces uh, of, of patience and waiting and loss and sacrifice until we get to that resurrection day. Yeah, it, the the thing that was so jarring for me, and I didn't appreciate it until it was gone, was going to adoration. Oh, I yes. miss adoration, and I I miss the Eucharist. I, I you know the the craving in my heart is so strong for that. I I just I I thought I knew, but I didn't appreciate how much. Mm-hmm. And um, in, and so, yes, that's the suffering, but there's also, you know, as my prayer, Omar has been, okay, what's the, all right, Father, you've willed this, and I, I believe like you do, I mean, I think the mansion he provides for us has many windows. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the opportunity? What are you asking me to see in this? And and that he, his presence, absolutely, and even the, the church teaches us, he's so fully present in the Eucharist. Mm. But he's also pre- he came to be present in me because of that other sacrament called baptism. Yes, you yes. know, at the end of Matthew, that's the command: go baptize them in the name of yes. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because of that baptism, he he desired that because then he comes to dwell in us. Mm-hmm. He comes; to, his presence is full, fully in us, and where the where he is, the Father is, and where the Father is. It, Holy Spirit and all of heaven, and it's all beautiful. Nice. That presence in us, that presence in you, the presence in in your in your children and in the in my neighbor, you begin to the hunger for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's a really a call in a very real way to go so much deeper. Good Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity taught us that through Miriam's voice and. Um, I mean, I do think this is an opportunity. Again, I'm not saying that we want to don't want the, the blessed sacrament, but there is an opportunity here to see him even more fully. Yeah. So, uh, I, I just a couple points. One, uh, Colonel Ratzinger had this beautiful reflection. I believe it was in his little book called "Behold the Pierced One," where he talks about um, uh, sort of meditations on the suffering of Christ, and he he mentions the the ancient tradition of not receiving communion. On Good Friday, uh, some oftentimes it's offered in a communion service. Mm-hmm. Um, but encourages in that book, I believe, to say, uh, "Don't receive, right? Um, to feel the loss, like just allow yourself to feel the loss." So theologically, there's a tradition within our church of of feeling that loss, and that's that's a good thing, right? That can be a good thing. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention was something you had said about um, uh, Elizabeth and and uh, this this time of of, of separation. Um, uh, there's that wonderful scene in uh, the Passion of the Christ where Mary um, is is uh, is wiping up the blood of our Lord after oh, the scourging. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty poignant. That is yeah. so poignant. And part of the the and it's so beautifully acted and directed there. Part of the power of that scene, to my mind, is this um, the the way the actress communicates the the fact of of what's going on right now like she's she's resigned to the reality of her son's suffering um and and i i felt drawn to that image and that scene 
to just be resolved to this is what life is right now. And it is temporary. I mean, that's part of the reminder. We always have to be told, this is temporary. This too shall pass. But in the moment, right, just to be resigned to this and, and that there's a, there's a great grace in that, such a, a large grace in being able to accept that and to run to the arms of our Lord and to share with him, I hurt, I'm suffering, I miss you, right? Um, to be able to say that to the Lord is, um, is a great gift. Uh, and so don't forget, don't forget to do that. And we're given that opportunity to, as well, with our friends, yes. our family. We're beginning, yeah. our, our hearts are aching. I mean, how many, how many people do we know? How many friends do we have that are grandparents that are standing outside the door of their, of their grandchildren's home? Or, the, mm-hmm. or, the, or it's flipped, yeah. you know? And you just want to hug me. And it's the same, it's the, because it's love. Yes. And God is love. And we're... We're craving that, aren't we? Absolutely. It's who we are. And this is a, a difficult time for all those reasons. Um, and yet the Lord is in it. The Father has allowed it. And, um, and, and we can find the grace in, in all of it. You know, it was interesting the, um, that, that the reading that your, your family had uh, was the third Sunday of Lent on the Samaritan woman. I got to preach that, that Sunday at my oh. parish. And um, one of the points I made was that in this exchange between the Samaritan woman and Jesus, I apologize that my phone keeps going off. You can hear that, but um, life—it's a life. It's, it's okay. life, right? Um, uh, the uh, the Samaritan woman uh, elicits with, when our Lord tells her that He has this water that will quench all thirst. Um, she she yearns for it, right? Uh, and one of the points I made in my homily was. This is um, this is who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. We have this deep yearning that we try to fill with all sorts of things. Right? Um, in your conversation with Dr. Anthony Lillis, he mm-hmm. mentioned how we were, you know, drunk on technology and sports and all those other things in our culture. And I think a lot of us under, uh, appreciate that, and understand that, um, and uh, that thirst that we have that's filled with sports and technology and games and this and other thing, is mm-hmm. is really and truly for him. That's who it's really for. Uh, and if we can acknowledge that and be honest with ourselves about that and run to him with that in this difficult time, uh, I think we will come out of it um, holier, right? This is an opportunity for holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should be seen in that way as much as we can. Also, you know, I, I think as you were saying that, it, it reminded me of that yearning to be with others and the suffering of deliberately separating yourself to protect them. Yeah. To de- to deliberately say I will not go and defy what authorities have told me is a safe space or I I won't go do certain things. I mean, I don't want to bust on the kids who are down in Florida at mm-hmm. you know, spring spring break. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were our kids. Yeah. You know, and not, I mean, my kids didn't do it, but so I, mean, right. I don't want anybody to be confused, but, right, yeah. but the thing is they're a generation that our generation raised up mm-hmm. and they went and did it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and didn't hear that. So, you know, we, we want to convict them, but yet we we're the responsible ones for teaching them how to, to give that sacrificial love. 
Exactly. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, what, what can you say to that? Yeah. Except that we need to learn it. We need to learn it better. I just was in a, um, a Facebook conversation, message conversation with a priest from Nigeria yesterday who lives in a difficult part of Nigeria um, where his community was, was greatly affected by Boko Haram and, and uh, is still under threat um, by that group. Uh, and, um, you know, he, the, the, the need over there is constant. So, so we talk about our own suffering. Their suffering is, is constant. It's nothing new for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lack of access mm-hmm. to food, the lack of access to roads, the lack of access to reliable power, uh, and so on and so Medicines. forth. Medicines. Ventilators. Exactly. I mean, exactly. just your basic yeah. things, you know. Um, this is their reality. And, uh, um, you know, I'm going to try what we can do uh, here to try to help them still in this difficult time. But um, it was a reminder to me that we have, we have so much overwhelming um, uh, wealth, but there's, it's more than just that. Like we, we have so many presumptions in this, in this country of ours uh, and we haven't done a great job in passing on the, the truly important things to our, our families. And uh, that's another opportunity in this time to focus on family, on the things that are truly important. And one of the things uh, friends of mine have noticed is that as, families are being forced to sort of be with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more often than not, in my experience, in my circles, more often than not, they're coming to realize um, what, what a good it is for them to be with each other. Uh, when, when everybody's so used to kind of going in their own directions and trying their own different things. Yeah, I think that's uh, very much a key. It, it's, it's so wonderful to spend time with my husband during the day. I went, I don't get to see you like this. Usually you come home and you're tired and I, yeah. I get the tired guy yeah. and I, it's kind of, this is the guy I married. All of a sudden I'm seeing the guy I married again and, and I'm so glad he's still there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean that all loved my husband. I first. like your guy too. Yeah. So thank you. He's, he's you. wonderful. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's those, those, tre- it's, certain things are becoming more treasured, Yeah. you know, yeah. and, but this is more than just a great retreat time. Mm-hmm. So many of us are able to, I would say in the United States and in most parts of Europe, I know this is true too, we can make a choice to go and retreat. And mm-hmm. we go to a retreat place that has that meets all our needs. Right. We go in, you know, in parts of Nebraska, we have places that have awesome food mm-hmm. and wonderful accommodations. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go and I'm going to go deep in my interior and, I'm, you know, I enter into these mysteries. But this time, it's different. This isn't just a nice retreat time. This is a time that has an underlying anxiety that is of a very real life and death consequences. We are dealing with an enemy here that can, I mean, you're constantly having to be on guard. You don't know where it's going to come next. You know, if it, do I go get the letter in the envelope or the, uh, uh, the, letter in the mailbox? Do I uh, open up a package? Do I, I do I go in the grocery store? Who is this person? I was at the doctor's office the other day and a lovely older man and uh, his wife were there. I just had to get an allergy shot real quick mm-hmm. and where I can still go to the doctor. I'm blessed because I'm in an area where the doctor's office still will do those kind of things. Right. And I didn't even, usually I'd go over and say hi or whatever, but I looked at him like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Don't breathe in my space. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible way to have to live it. There's that anxiety. So this isn't just your a, a retreat. 
where you're where you're sitting here at home having the blessing of being i mean there's an underlying uh fear yeah. that pervades all this don't you think oh absolutely and that's precisely where i'm uh, i'm saying i think we need to recognize that and uh, and take that to prayer right take the anxiety to prayer take mm-hmm. the fear to prayer take the desire to fix the problem to prayer Take the frustration you have at your pastor or the bishops or this or that. Take that to prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't go to f- social media and and spout off on on somebody or something. Uh, rather, take it to prayer. Uh, and uh, this isn't like a regular retreat. Uh, I'm not trying to put you know these ro- rose-colored glasses on, saying what a wonderful time it is and this great. Mm-hmm. That's not it at all. Um, what I'm trying to say is that in this, in this difficulty, precisely because it's difficult, precisely because it's, it's, uh, anxiety making and fear, fear making, um, that's why we have to focus more and lean more on the Jesus who is, who is in us, as you were saying before, um, who's already in us by virtue of our baptism. We know the graces that we're not getting in the Eucharist, um, or let's say in confession, if we can't really go to confession, those graces are still there in our baptism. They're still there in our confirmation. They're still there in our marriage vows. Those graces are still there. Um, those graces are constantly being given, and we have a generous, loving Father who wants to give them to us. I'll never forget, just a very short story. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, I lived uh, with Cistercian monks down uh, in Dallas. There's a, a wonderful monastery down there. Many of the friends of the University of Dallas know about it very well. And uh, I was, uh, I lived there and I worked there and I, I, I cooked for the monks and I was working in the front office one day uh, and I was a 20 something year old kid and the father Abbott came in and just to check on me. And as he was leaving, he said, can I get you anything? And I think he was probably meant like a, a water or something like that. But I said something like, you know, I, uh, more grace. I just, I need more grace. Uh, and he gave me this look and, um, uh, he was an older Hungarian man, so he had this look, uh, and he gave him this look, and he just said, the graces are there. And I'll, it's always been with me, because uh, what I realized in his look and the way he said it is that um, the graces are there if I simply ask for them. Um, it's not something I have to accomplish. It's not something I have to to win. It's not somewhere I have to go. Part of that reading from the third Sunday of, of Lent this mm-hmm. year included the exchange between the Samaritan woman and Jesus talking about the temple. And Jesus told her there will be a time when there won't be a temple, right? Yeah. You'll have to meet yeah, God totally. in here, in, in, the, in the heart. So um, the graces are there. Uh, if you're worried and anxious about the graces, they're there. Ask for them. The Lord wants, the Father is yearning to give them to you. Just yeah. ask. Yeah. yeah, that is key, isn't it? I mean, just you just have to... Um, it's been making that opportunity to be receptive. Yeah. Now, not everybody, especially if you're a mom or a dad and you've got all your kids running around, it's not always easy to find that space. But it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in just even in a, in a few minutes. You know, it's yeah. almost a lie to say, I can't do anything unless I can have a half hour. Right. You know, right. but maybe, maybe you do. But there's also, you know, you can, there's bathrooms you can hide out in and there's all kinds. I mean, you can get creative. Right. You can go sit yeah. outside. Yeah. But You know, one thing I do want to touch on in this conversation, Omar, is that for many of us, this is a first time where you will walk into a store and you can't get what you need. 
<laughs> right. You can't, I mean, basics, mm -hmm. the toilet paper issue. Flour. Yeah. Flour, uh, eggs, mm -hmm. meat. And you gotta, you gotta have a strategy now on how you're going to get certain things. Well, welcome to what most of the world experiences every day. Yeah. This is a, a moment of solidarity, isn't it? Oh my goodness! That yeah. in a in the, at the very heart of Catholic social teaching, we have to go back to the very basics. You and I were in Guatemala. I remember mm -hmm. when, and those are the poorest of the poor in Central America. And mm -hmm. when we were there, I remember just going to Tienda. You were you could I get it, just trying to get basic essentials. This is they struggle for this all the time. This kind of anxiety is ever present. That a parent who will do whatever they can to get basic medical care, that means even crossing uh, through country that he doesn't try to find a job to get the money to send it back. I'm not getting into the immigration debate, no, no, no. but it gives us a sense now you this is the anxiety that drives them to go yes. and to try to find relief. Now yeah. you can kind of experience it. It's not just mm -hmm. they're breaking law. You get the anxiety that this is what I got to do to save my family. Yeah. And it, that's, um, this is a rare moment for us in America, isn't it? It's very rare. Um, and, uh, again, it's, um, it's an opportunity now with the families that, that I know, I mean, they tend to be larger families. They make a lot of sacrifice to begin with. They, they have a heart for the poor. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, for them, it's, uh, I'm, I know they're, they're having, taking this time to be able to speak with their children about this is what it's like, um, for, mm -hmm. for folks elsewhere. Uh, other families of course are choosing not to talk to their uh, children at all about what's going on. Uh, which I respect that entirely, but with, with my older kids, uh, and I have a soon to be 15 year old and a 12 year old, um, uh, especially with the, the soon to be 15. Um, I kind of, I let him know that this is, this is what's going on. Um, and everything will be okay. Right. Uh, this is the time to trust. And this is what we saw in Guatemala when we were living at those families and we saw the kinds of things they had to deal with on a daily basis. And yet there was an underlying joy, right? Yeah. A joy yeah. and a trust that the Lord is in charge of everything. I'll never forget the family I lived with for that, for those few days, they had a little shrine uh, and, and the shrine was not anything fancy. It was, it was Christmas wrapping paper. Somebody had given them at some point in time that they put up on a wall and they put up an image of our lady, I believe. And that was their shrine. Um, that was the best they could do. They had dirt floors uh, and that was it. <laughs> and yeah. there was a great deep abiding joy. And that's what we want to be able to be able to tap into uh, during this difficult time, and uh, and our Lord, <laughs> our Lord's going to give it to us because He loves us. Yeah, He He doesn't want us to suffer. No. You know, there are so many people that well, God has made this happen. No, God, the Father has allowed it; He's uh, permitted yeah. it. But in, in the bigger picture, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Omar, but that the thing is, this came about because of the choices that were made. People's choices, whether not just the leaders, but what a society chooses and and the choices that um, we made brought about this uh, occurrence. And yet the father has allowed it because there's he loves us and there's a greater good, believe it or not. I mean, I 
my heart is breaking for what's happening in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and all along the East Coast, it's just it, it's breaking for our friends in Italy. Oh my goodness, you know. And we want to try to, and all over the UK, I, and and now it's now it's heading into Mexico. Now it's heading into those into our little communities where they don't have water to necessarily freely wash their hands with soap. You know, I mean, not forget the antibacterial, all the other, st- all the fancy stuff. They don't, and they don't have the the towels. I mean, to be able to wash all the time. So when this swoops down into Central and South America, oh my goodness, you know, yeah. this it won't it won't last as long. Hopefully, God willing, in North America, and particularly the United States, this is our homeland. And it's okay to pray for that because it's our homeland. This is where he, we were birthed. This is where he brought us. The Father brought us here. So it's good to pray for that. But what, I, I hope that the opportunity hasn't been lost to experience the Christ and feel the suffering as it ripples. You know, we have to continue to, what can we do? What, how can we help? Is, is that the, the, the proper disposition or am I making it too simple? No, I, th- I think that's precisely it. And, and I think the simple is, is exactly where we need to be right now. I, mean, yeah. I, th- I think there, there is that, to kind of go back to the beginning, there is this sense of uh, the two ways, right? We can go down this way of uh, trying to fix things or trying to um, focus on anxiety or to complicate the, the, the matters or to complain, uh, to criticize um, to do all the things that all human beings have done forever, right? That's that's mm-hmm. one thing. But then there's the other path, I think, which is um, to simplify, to go quiet, to receive this time, as my family's received a new baby, to receive this time that is forcing us to be quiet, to be simple, to be slow, um, uh, to be meditative, uh, to 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 sit at <laughs> as I was again last night, you know, sit at two in the morning with the child in the darkness, just quiet, mm. um, just being with the Lord. Uh, and uh, I think the simplicity is exactly what we're being called to. The simplicity of life is what we saw in Guatemala, what we see uh, even in Italy, right? In, in, in Italy, they it's an advanced country, um, but they don't live with the kind of abundance in Italy, at least when I lived in Rome, they didn't live with the kind of abundance that we have here in the United States. Nope. Um, so th- mm-hmm. to live in that simplicity is um, is something I think we should all be striving to, generally speaking. And and now is the time really to to to, to lean into it. Um, but but again, to go back, and you know I've talked about it when we talk about Catholic social teaching. Mm-hmm. There's one thing. It's one thing to care for the poor, which anybody can do. An atheist can do that, right? Mm-hmm. An atheist can have a love for the poor and care for the poor. Mm-hmm. The other thing. The thing that Catholic social teaching is trying to get us, the the, the thing that Mother Teresa, uh, Saint Teresa of Calcutta, um, uh, models so well. The other thing is to do it in the spirit of Christ Jesus. The other thing is to allow Christ to act in us. Uh, the other thing is to be Christ to others and and see Christ in the other, and to allow Jesus to 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 infuse our love and our action with His love. That's the thing we're trying to do. Um, so it's not just sort of when I say simplicity, I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of simplicity that millenni- millennials talk about where, you know, we're, we're uh, uh, everything clean and sort of modern lines. And that's, what, that's not the kind of simplicity I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about the simplicity of heart in Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Mm, that's beautiful. And where that heart is, when you when you rest in you, and remain in me. Um, he the the three things he said in the New Testament more than anything else. The three words. It, it wasn't love your neighbor. It was be not afraid, because it's difficult to love if you're afraid. You know, right, exactly. it, it's difficult to trust. You, you have to be not afraid. And I know there are many people, I think, you know, in a, in a closing note, I'd like you to address this, if you would, Omar. There are a lot of people who are at this point, because they've never experienced anything quite like this, at least in the United States, mm -hmm. um, that that this is God's wrath and it's the end of the world. And, you know, because this is so, it's so global, it's so scary, it's so frightening. And I was talking with somebody the other day about that, and they said, well, I, I think I need to go back to look at the book of Revelation. And I said, well, yeah, that's good. It's good to go to the Scripture. He's present in the Scriptures. Yes, Amen. go to the Scriptures. And yet this this type of fear and this kind of what's happening to our economy and everything else, this is not new. Oh, right, you know, exactly. I mean, we're all experiencing this. You go back, even if you go back even um, uh, uh, several generations, imagine you're in London and the 19, you know, the early 40s, and out of nowhere, bombs out of the sky are landing and blowing up this townhouse and that townhouse and your mm -hmm. church and this and your whole, everything, your job, everything stops, you know, and look what happened during that war. And you back it up a few more generations and you have World War One. Who would the Gatling gun and and mustard gas and you know the that type of wiping out Europe. I mean Europe is has experienced this over and over yeah. again. And you can go back to Napoleon. I mean, all of history. And then even a woman like Julian of Norwich in the thirteen hundreds, the plagues came over and over again and her family was wiped out and and yet she can say uh, well, Christ, like you said, said to her, in uh, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. You know, those those look like apocalyptic moments, and they are in a very real way when it's affecting you. But um, what are your thoughts about that? That yeah, no, that's just that's just it. Is is it's nothing new. Um, and what have always distinguished Christians from the rest of society is the way we deal with those plagues and those horrors and, and all the rest of that happens. Uh, the, our, my, my dear professor from Steubenville, uh, Dr. Regis Martin, mm. um, wrote the wonderful book about the suffering, um, uh, uh, suffering of love. Oh, and, that's such a great book. Omar. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it he talks about how after World War II, there was this real question, this sense of how do we, how do we even begin to think about faith and religion uh, and a God, uh, a loving God after what we saw after World War II? Um, and the, that's the great challenge that, that Christians have always faced in, in the world. C.S. Lewis writes wonderfully about the, the problem of pain. So in the midst of that then, uh, as we look at this, instead of trying to to go towards the its apocalypse and this is the end, um, uh, focusing on that, I think obscures again the word I'm going to use is the opportunity that exists in the moment, or I could say the invitation that exists right now to go deeper into a relationship with Christ 
and allow that relationship to shine upon others, uh, to transform my life, and to and to uh, usher in the peace that God wants to give you. Right, that's mm-hmm. what He wants to give you. Um, so that's what I would just say is um, uh, in this this thing that Christians have have seen for millennia now. Uh, and a great deal of suffering uh, and of of trial, uh, the opportunity, the invitation, uh, is uh, is to embrace the Lord, uh, and and to to love, and to love radically. Well, I I'll accept that invitation. RSVP me. <laughs> that's that's so beautiful. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Omar? Uh, just to say um, that uh, I know uh, I'm praying for the world and for family and friends, for, for those in the medical profession. So when we were at the hospital, um, you know, we were so very grateful for those doctors and nurses who were there. And you uh, got to be who, with her. A lot yeah. of people are having to do this on their own That's now. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, um, so oh, I was only, only I was allowed to go, but at mm-hmm. least I was able to be there. Uh, and so for all those medical professionals, all those who are doing this incredible work, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm praying for, for all of them, uh, for all, uh, parents out there, for those who, um, are, are really concerned about work for the future. Um, I'm right there with you. So, uh, let's, let's stay in solidarity with each other, uh, by praying uh, with and for each other. Uh, and um, I, I don't know, I, I think during this triduum, it will be a particularly fruitful time for all of us. So I look forward to to praying with you in, in it. Yeah. Omar, I hope we get to talk again very soon and to continue these conversations. We have a beautiful opportunity here. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Omar. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to a special audio version of a Skype conversation held with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can see the video of this conversation at discerninghearts.com or by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time. God bless.